I'm Eric Fruit. I'm Ann Sanderson. And this is Tuesday Memo. This is the podcast that deals with Portland City Council in Portland, Oregon, and all the issues surrounding it. And local issues outside of Portland, Multnomah County, the region, the region. maybe bigger stuff. Maybe sometimes Oregon. And Eric, Right you... now it's a Trump-free zone. <laughs> For now. For now. <laughs> and Eric, you are... Oh, me? I'm an economist based in Portland, Oregon. And what are you? And I'm a small business owner, and I'm a little bit of a political rabble-rouser. You're small businesses. And it's Tuesday Memo. We're doing this on a Friday. We won't go into the whole why it's called <laughs> Tuesday Memo thing. We've done that enough. But we are back, and uh, we have lots to talk about, it, despite the fact that it's an election season. We have so many local things to talk about to keep informed. And because it's election season, we have a lot to talk about, although not in city council races, because there's only one city council race, given our silly system where if you win 50% in the primary, you're automatically in with no runoff. So we only have one city council race, and I'm kind of bored. I don't know if we'll even talk about that today. <laughs> well, we have some time to talk about it in the future. There's still a few weeks I'm sure to go we will. before ballots drop. And remember, in Oregon, we're a vote by mail, so those will drop way before the election day itself. Although most people do wait to drop off their ballots till the actual day. Well, wouldn't you? Yeah, because in case something happens. In case something happens. <laughs> exactly. So we'll put the election off um, for a little while, the local election, and instead we're going to talk about some issues that might influence elections, might be partly about elections. I think we could probably talk about how Amanda Fritz, who's a current city council member, wants to bring back p- uh, publicly funded elections. Yippee! <laughs> well, we've done this before, haven't we? Eric? Yes, yes. It's Back to the Future. <laughs> what happened last time? Uh, last time uh, it was uh, it was a big mess. Uh, there was fraud, and the voters voted it out. Uh, but Amanda has decided that since it lost by such a slim majority that. The voters really didn't mean what they meant, and so she wants to come back and do it again. Well, I think it's very near and dear to her heart since she used the money last time to get herself elected. It's near and dear to her heart because she's lazy and she hates raising money, and she wants to run again. She wants someone to pay for it. Eric, that is not okay to say. <laughs> it's entirely. That's exactly what You don't exactly know her motivations, and I've met her on many occasions since, you know... And uh, she's a lovely person who means very well. And I think she really, truly believes that by bringing in publicly funded um, elections that we will take the perceived influence of money out of politics. And I think that this is an important distinction because they're not actually saying that it will take the influence of money out, but rather that the public doesn't trust our elected officials because our perception is that money influences their votes. There's no proof of that, and they're not even offering that. But I think Amanda Fritz really, truly believes that it is something that will help us get more, um, more elected officials who will be responsive to the people rather than to money. I personally think if you wanted to do something like that, you needed to get incumbents out because I think it's very difficult to elect people who are new to the scene when you are fighting someone with name recognition. Yeah, tell her we'll do public funding financing if we have term limits. <clears throat> that would be something to think about, um, uh, although I'm against that as well. But, <laughs> but she, has the, she has the issue that she wants to do this. She 
one of the big problems I see in her bringing this back is that she wants to do it through a council vote, despite the fact that the voters did rescind it last time. I mean, you, like you said, we've done this before, but she, but she believes that because it was only 1,600 votes difference, and, and that's what repealed the law last time, that, that we can't really be trusted and we shouldn't have to, they shouldn't have to wage a huge campaign because big money so um, is so it feels like they really need to get the t- to have their influence with the money that they'll finance a campaign against it. So the bottom line is she thinks that voters are idiots. She thinks they were idiots the first time they voted for it. She thinks they're idiots now because they won't vote for it this time. I mean, she, if she was so confident that the voters love this thing, then she would put it on the ballot and the voters would vote for it. But because she's not confident, she wants to do it with counsel without a popular vote. She thinks that voters are idiots because they're influenced because someone buys a better ad than someone else. The bottom line is she thinks that voters are so stupid that the only way that that we can have quote-unquote fair elections is if we put in all these weird rules and programs and funding schemes to somehow or another make voters smarter or I I mean what's the problem she's trying to solve well that is a good question so but but she's the queen (laughs) she's the queen of of solutions in search of problems I can't believe that I'm going to spend a lot of time defending Amanda Fritz since you shouldn't be you shouldn't be but I, I think that her motivations are good I think you really need that doesn't make her an effective legislator it does not make her an effective executive of that office but it does mean that I think you can give her the benefit of the doubt that she's trying to help. But, but good Does motivations she, is, is not a, a, a good defense of right. dopey ideas. But I don't think that she thinks we're stupid. I think that, that she thinks that she, she needs to protect us from ourselves or from the, the elements Okay, we're not stupid. We're frail. We're feeble-minded. Right. We, don't, uh, we can't understand what's going on. Do we, don't, we don't know the difference between a Steve Novick and a Chloe Udile. We don't know the difference Daily. between... A, 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 a Ted Wheeler and a Jules Bailey, that somehow or another, all the money spent on those races it, it has somehow distorted our views. You think that... I, d- I do think that that's what city council, in addition, not just Amanda, but also all of city council believes that that they cannot trust the voters despite having been elected by them. And I find that to be... Odious? Odious. I think it's odious. I think that we have a voter system, and this is what democracy is, and we should, we should trust the voters even when they're wrong, and because it's the will of the people, and you need to to run your government with the people and not despite the people. Um, so yeah. So, but let's talk about what that would mean, though, if she if she is able to get it through council, which at this point we don't know that she has the votes. But it sure doesn't seem like it. Say that she does, though. You never know. Um, so say she does get the votes. What she's proposing is that 002 percent of the general fund um, is spent on these elections, which would work out to about a million and some change per year, or 2.4 million at this at the rate that we're collecting monies now. Um, and it would be doled out in this extremely complex system that they've devised in an, as sort of a matching fund in order to avoid some of the pitfalls that they had last time. The problem with it is is that it's like it, she's she's proposing that there's this sort of pot of money 
and that the sooner that you get started raising money, the more you can draw off. So, and then when the money runs out, the money runs out. So for example, if you start a year ahead and you start raising money and you get this $50 donation from someone, the city will match it by six times, which ends up being $250. So you, so you get this chunk of change, $250. The more you can draw off of it, it actually means that other people running against you, if you hit your limit, fine, but if three people hit their limit, they can suck all that money out. So there were 31 people who ran in the primary. If all 31 had, had qualified, not all 31 would have gotten enough money to make it worth not taking um, big bucks from business. And then what happens when you're running against someone who doesn't do the public funding? And then right. they blow the budget. And then all of a sudden they've outspent you and you're stuck. Right. You can't spend, you've tapped out the public money. You can't go to the well for other money. Right. So in fact, it will actually handicap most people. Absolutely. You know, part of me thinks that this is going to be a scheme that will be uh, successful in its failure in the sense that she's going to have this huge scheme that's going to suck up a ton of time, public, uh, you know, public input and so forth, and then eventually no serious candidate is going to take that money. So yeah. instead what you have are a bunch of cranks who are going to be sucking down a million dollars just because, because right. anyone who's a serious candidate is going to go out and raise the money that they need to win. I'm going to tell you that I wouldn't take that money anyway, because in the time where every day we are lamenting the fact that we don't have affordable housing for people who are sleeping in the streets, and it's about to start the rainy season, it's going to be horrific, humanitarian crisis. And yet we're basically saying that each candidate that qualifies can suck up the money of one affordable housing unit. Anyone who takes that money should be ashamed of themselves. Well, they when should be. And the thing is, if you let's say you got 30 people taking this money, right? 30 people, say, running for three positions. So you've got 30 people running for three positions. You know you will have at least 27 losers. Right. At least 27 losers. 27 people who have sucked up money that gets... N where nothing comes out of it. There's no good that comes out of it. I'm not going to say that because I, I do think that having competition is important. People who run unopposed tend to live in their own bubble. So it's important to have other voices. But and, and those voices can be as fringe as you want. I think they add to the conversation. The point is, is that money better spent by the public than housing someone who is now on the street cold in the rain? I don't think that you can make the argument. Um. Well, you know, it's a really a story of misplaced priorities, right? So we've got a million dollars for this that we can't spend on roads. Remember when roads were a big problem? When, was, I do remember I guess, roads. <laughs> I guess roads and streets are all fixed now because right. I haven't heard boo about that, right? right? And so that's no longer a problem. I guess homelessness isn't a problem because we have enough money to spend for publicly funded elections. I just read that uh, even Ted Wheeler's in favor of this new bike-only bridge over here northwest in the Pearl for six million dollars, six right. million dollars. You know, that's the entire amount that's being raised by the gas tax that we're putting in. Six million, right. the entire gas tax for a year. is essentially paying for right. a, a bike bridge, a bridge from for one, bikes. From one rich neighborhood to another rich neighborhood. Yes, <laughs> and there's not I mean, other ways to get yeah. from part, one part of the town to the other. Their argument mm -hmm. is that at least it would withstand a, an earthquake, so that you could you could ride your bike in an earthquake. You know what would withstand you know, an we earthquake? Got more problems. No bridge. <laughs> yeah. No. There if go. there's no bridge, you don't have to worry about a bridge falling down. Right. I think 
in, how long has the city been around and how long have people been biking in the city? I think right. we don't necessarily have a problem with bikes getting from one part of the town to the other. And in a, in a perfect world where we have all the money that we could ever ask for, things like that are wonderful and we'd all like to have them. But I think we have to have priorities. And when we're talking about people on the streets, we need to make sure that we're spending on the things that, that are for human life for the betterment of our people in the most the most basic sense. If we're not feeding and clothing and housing them first, then all the bike bridges in the world, it doesn't matter, the one percenters will have a great time on them. Of course. Well, we're, we're <coughs> becoming the city of the one percent, and I guess that's okay with city council. And you're going to have you know, some of those people sucking down public money. Right. So let's talk about more public money. So ching and homeless. I think this is a good segue. So we have um, we have incredible numbers of people sleeping on the streets and not enough shelter beds. And one thing that the public has asked for consistently for a while is to look at the unused jail Wapato, which is in North Portland, to. Um, to be used as a homeless shelter. It was built as a jail that would house, I believe, 500-ish inmates and has all of the uh, things that you would need in terms of medical and dental facilities and kitchens and office space. And the county has said for quite a while, it's too far away from services and we don't want the... um, the visual of people housing homeless people in a jail because it just doesn't look right. And I think that argument is specious, but let's talk about just simply it's too far away from services. Okay, well, that's what buses are for and that's what um, housing satellite offices are for. I mean, where did, how, where are the, why are the services where they are now? Because that's where the population used to be. And that's one of the arguments I've been making for a long time is why aren't we moving services with the population that uses them rather than trying to draw the population and keep them static in the downtown area? I mean, okay, so anyway, so we have this Wapato jail. And what, wait, what's the stigma issue? I mean, there's a, it, somehow or another, it, it, it's embarrassing, disgraceful to be housed in a place called Wapato that was actually never a jail, has never been a jail. Right. Uh, it was just designed to be a jail, but somehow or another, that's really offensive. But sleeping under a bridge, or sleeping in a car, or sleeping in a park is somehow or another doesn't have a stigma, isn't bad. Warehousing people by out of sight, out of mind. It doesn't matter whether they're under a tree on a trail or in a jail space that was never a jail. I think that that's just. Um, not creative thinking on their part. However, if it were truly a jail and we were jailing the homeless, that would be horrible. But you know, homelessness is not a crime, and we need to help people. But a building that's never been used as a jail that has all the all of the services um, that you need is a great thing. Except that they don't really have all the services and things they need outside because. What happened apparently was that every time the county needed a new dishwasher for the sheriff's department, they would go and to Wapato, the unused building, and take the dishwasher out, or they would take the medical facilities out, or whatever. Oh, it's kind of like a U pick. Yeah, they basically they have been stripping that place, and um, so now it is an empty shell, but still an empty shell with a roof, and that would be important. And so there's been a push by not only um, not only the public, but also now another uh, Loretta Smith, 
wanted to, she's a, a county commissioner, wanted the conversation to come up. And Eric Zimmerman, who's running for one of the positions. Yes. He's running for, for her position. Right. To come to look. She's termed out. Yeah. So, um, so now people, it's coming to the floor. So they had a meeting about it, which is great. And they had the discussion, and then it came out a couple of days later. Like, oh, guys, I have something to tell you that I haven't really told you yet. Deborah Kafori, who is the... Uh, the doyen of <laughs> Multnomah County. Commissioners. You know, she actually... Part of, you know, one of the, one of the dynasties of, of Portland politicos, you a know. A strong political family here in it, Portland, it, yes. I mean, it's not... We don't really have... I mean, the, the democracy in Portland is, is more kind of a, it's kind of like the whole Clinton-Bush thing, right? You just kind of, once someone makes their name, you just kind of move into that, right? Uh, but it, she uh, she did a little revealo that, uh, oh, guys, guess what? Um, we're actually talking about maybe selling Wapato to someone, but shh, no, it's even we're not allowed to tell you who it is. Even more than that, they have been wanting to sell it for some time, and she signed a paper of it, the 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 paper says that they are going to look at this offer as and and to do some due diligence to see if it's a valid one, but that she had signed this paper the day before the hearing was had, and re- honestly, like she didn't mention it, didn't mention it, didn't say that they actually had an offer on the table, that there was interest in the building currently. I've so, got a secret, <laughs> which is which is, I. I I am dumbfounded, honestly, that they would not, that she would not come be forthcoming. That is, that's, that's Portland, that's Oregon. I think it's a symptom of the, of the one party state that we have, that, that the politicians there feel like there's no oversight. There's no, there's no pushback. We could do whatever we want. We don't have to be transparent. We don't have to tell anyone because to sell the facility, we don't know to whom, we don't know for what purpose. But we know it's about $9 million. Which, no. how much money did we put into it already? $58 million to build it. And $300,000 a year to maintain it. No, $500,000 500, a year. $500,000. Right. So, and we did probably recoup a little bit of that by stealing all of the... By stripping uh, it? <laughs> by stripping it of its dishwashers. Mm-hmm. So when the chop shop becomes the chop shop. Or right. it gets chopped. <clears throat> but it, it is a good question of what the general public can do in order to keep our, our elected officials in line. I mean, just like Amanda Fritz and her council vote to spend another $2 million of our money, which she says, well, we spend money on a lot of things, is what she told me. Oh, does she? Okay. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's um, how, do, how do we, without having to become activists every single issue, like, you could be exhausted by keeping, keeping the county and the uh, city council in line. Well, I think we need to double the number of city commissioners. Are you saying, I can't tell if you're joking or not. Well, I think that might be, you know, I've been thinking about this, and how do you reform the city? You know, there's a lot of talk about, well, gee, should we uh, change the whole city form of government? And I think that would be too hard because there's a lot of moving parts there. But maybe one thing you could do is just keep the same goofy system we have with five commissioners in charge of bureaus, but maybe double the number of commissioners. Go from five uh, to ten. And think about what that would do. A, it would increase the geographic spread, mm-hmm. right? So now you, if you live in North Portland or east of 82nd, you have a better chance of, of winning and representing those people. So you got greater representation. I don't follow. How would you have greater representation just because there's more? 
Well, because it's going to be spread out. No, further. I don't see how you spread it out. You're still going to have the concentration of money and power on the west side. Yeah, but see, it's going to get spread out because all those people are going to say, well, gee, how do we now, hold, instead of finding two or three people to put their their money into as those races come up, they're going to have to spread it out across more of those people, which means you'll probably have less money spent on each race. I'm just spitballing here, but I think if you yeah. double it, then you get down to the commissioner level. Once they're in office, you've got 10 commissioners. Right now, city council, all you need are three votes. So for like Amanda's goofy deal, she's got herself. Mayor Charlie Hale says he's going to do it because he's he's kind of the guy who who you know pees in the coffee pot on his way out on the last day. Uh, so he's sassy today. So he's <laughs> going to do that, right? So all she needs is one more, right? You need you, you need yourself, a friend, and a supporter, right? On city council, right. three votes to get anything passed. Right. Double it to ten, you need six. It's a lot harder to get six than it is to. to I get. like I do like that. And idea. then when you're running the bureaus, right? Right now. You know, there's, there's probably more than a dozen bureaus, and each commissioner gets probably, you know, three or four mm -hmm. of them to run. Right, these are businesses. You're the CEO of four different businesses that have nothing to do with each other, and these people don't really have a real depth of knowledge, so they're not the best managers. Spread that out among ten people, and you have everyone in charge of one bureau. I think that is really a good idea. See, I'm brilliant. And it's simple, <laughs> because brilliant. all you have to do is change, like, two right. lines in the city charter. It says... There shall be five commissioners. You say there shall be ten. Done. I actually think that's a. I know has awesome. some merit. We should discuss this. Further. And what? with an even number, you can have ties. And ties become interesting. So what would you do with a tie? Well, tie always loses. You have to get a majority, right? right? So, interesting. Yeah. See, I, I do. I do think that that has some merit, especially because the the bar for changing it would be so low. I mean, how you would easily convince the populace that they need more representation, right. not less. Yeah. And dilution of power, because it is really hard when they have so much power in just one person. And see, that's the thing, is if you have 10, you might have someone who's east of 82nd, who says, I am the east of 82nd candidate, and they spend all their time campaigning east of 82nd. They might get enough votes from that to beat the others for that position. Well, are you saying, no, you'd have to make it regional still. No, see, you don't. See, now you're making it complicated. It's too complicated, see, which is why that's why I'm saying you make it simple. Okay, well, we'll have to revisit yeah, see, this we'll topic. Revisit that. Yeah, because I think that's an interesting idea. Maybe we could blog about that on our blog, TuesdayMemo.com, and uh, you could do a little. Which is updated daily. Yeah, it's not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we're citizen. We're citizen reporters, so <laughs> we've shrunk our we've shrunk our base. Um, I don't know. Do we have anything else that we want to talk about? We had, uh, oh, we were going to talk one more thing about housing before we got off that completely, which was one of the big topics in the election this year in Portland is housing and affordable housing, the lack thereof, and rent control, and supply and demand on rent. And one of the most interesting things that's come out, because we've had these incredibly skyrocketing rents over the course of the last couple of years. In July, the numbers revealed that rents have declined a whopping 17% in one month. And I think that's pretty incredible because, and you're the economist, tell us what might have contributed to that. Well, yeah, I don't believe it. Oh, you don't believe it? I don't it? believe it. I, don't, I think 17 is too big a, a drop. I, I could have seen it maybe slowing um, I think the the sore, what's it called, like Zoom Zumber or something like that? Zumper. 
I'm not sure. Some, <laughs> some, some wacky the, the site. Rent, the rent version uh, is still up. Yeah, and uh, so I don't know if the numbers are right. You know, they may have stabilized. Uh, but I think the other issue on rents, you know, we, can we agree that they have declined? I don't know. Have they? Well, I'm going to say yes. We did see a slowing. There were numerous reports out at the end of July that there was there was some slowing in the market, and I think you can absolutely see just the feel for it. People are reporting anecdotally that they're not getting the high offers on their, their house sales. People, not so many people are offering cash. The The open houses are not as well attended. And you do see a lot of um, more on the market. I, I have I believe that it is slowing, but let's pretend that it is. Well, slowing. if that's true, then 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 the market would be working, right? One right. can argue that you know that that prices send the clearest signal, and so the idea is, if rents start going out of control, the word gets out that the rents are out of control, and someone who's thinking about moving here says, "I'm not going to move there because rents are out of control." You, congestion is probably one of the best taxes too, right? Mm-hmm. Because you say, "Gee." Someone comes up here, takes a look at Portland and says, you know, and drives around. They go, wow, if it's rush hour starts at three and, you know, it takes me, um, you know, takes me an hour to get across town. You know, maybe tiny Portland isn't the place I want to be because I don't want to spend an hour every day driving each way. That's what I'm trying to get away from. And so maybe that may that might be naturally slowing some of the people coming in. Again, I don't know if I see that happening. I saw a presentation recently by Ted Wheeler. He says that population is going to boom, and he said he pretty much promised we are not going to build any more roads. So hmm. we know congestion is going to get worse. I've seen this. Uh, I just got an email from the Rose City Park Neighborhood Association. Uh, the city has an idea. It's not a plan. It's an idea of turning Sandy Boulevard, Sandy Boulevard, one of the major thoroughfares, into into a bikeway, having a bikeway on it. Welcome to Foster. <laughs> well, it, but and, and that's the thing is they're gonna they're gonna fosterize Sandy, then they want to fosterize Halsey. And if you know the the geography, Halsey and Sandy both run roughly the same east west direction. And so the idea is, where are you going to go? Where that is a major right. thoroughfare. I, it seems like the city forgets that we didn't get the freeway that they wanted to build back in the day um, to the east side. So we don't have like a Highway 26 that it's a clear shot that you can get out of town easily and conveniently. And we've used Sandy and Foster as those ways. I I truly believe that you cannot choke traffic as a way of making people get out of their cars, particularly when we are four to five years away from driverless cars. And I want to know where they're going to put those cars on the road. So Well, I mean, see, I go the other way on that. I think that the driverless cars are going to be a huge innovation that will probably reduce the number of cars on the road. I think you'll see people getting rid of their cars. Yeah, we'll be getting rid of our individual cars. We'll probably be taking the Uber version of the driverless car, but they'll still be on the road. And but I there'll people, be fewer of them. But I think people will get out of the Max. I rode the Max this morning, and, and really, I would rather have a driverless car. I don't think the system works as well. I waited for a very long time for a Max during rush hour, which I was appalled by, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, like our system is not, It's it wants to be European and yet misses the efficiency, cleanliness, and uh, relative uh, 
inexpensive uh, transportation that we want. So if I had an option of a driverless car that I could that I could get, plug in my phone at the same time, I would totally do that. And so we're going to probably have more cars in some ways, but where are we going to put them? They can't be driving continuously, and so they are going to be on roads, right? And they're probably yeah. we could they could achieve better speeds. Well, and you know, if you want to talk about max, you know, for example, max, you know, round trip. If you have a meeting that goes longer than you know an hour, so you're talking about spending five dollars right. on, on public transit, either buy a full day pass for five dollars, or you buy two two and a half hour tickets for five dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, I I regularly take car to go or reach now. Um, you know, once you factor in, um, you know, for me, the, the, the price is about the same, maybe a little bit more for car to go or reach now. But the, the trip is half as long, oh, really? half, as, half as much time. And then and you still have to park. Park for free with car to go. We park for free, but you still have to find a spot. Is it easy to find? I think so. They're yeah. small cars. But the point is, is that, you know, the, the, the Mac system is, is expensive as a user and it's slow. It's expensive in terms of time. Um, you're not going to get rid of the cars. But I think with these car sharing services, you're going to reduce the number of cars. It is interesting that we don't spend a lot of time on thinking about the future other than the, the we think about it, but I think their city government doesn't. If Ted Wheeler just has this idea that we're going to not build any more roads, is he taking into account all of the technological changes and the cultural changes that will come along with that? I think that we should always be thinking about plan B. What if people don't come to Portland anymore? Maybe we've, we're not the cool kids, you know? Well, and the other thing too is once you make it so congested that people don't get out, then they're not going to get out. I remember back when Sam Adams was uh, mayor, you know, he was all about 20-minute neighborhoods. His idea is, oh, well, we can all walk to the store and do this and that. Well, you may get congestion to the point that's so bad where people decide, you know, yeah, I'm going to walk, but walking's too far. I'm just going to have things delivered. I'm going to have Amazon deliver stuff to me. I'm going to have the drone deliver stuff to me. And you may find that people aren't leaving their houses as much. You know, they're not getting out. Um, you know, you could sit there. You can work from home. Uh, the food comes to you. Uh, and maybe you walk around the neighborhood as you're walking your dog or something, uh, but you're not getting out and about anymore because it's such a pain. Um, you know, I remember when we first moved here um, years ago, uh, my wife used to love to go downtown, and she'd make fun of all the suburbanites who were afraid of downtown, and right. she'd love to go downtown and go shopping downtown. She hasn't been downtown in probably a year. She goes to Washington Square, even though it's further away. It's easy to park. It's faster to get there. She doesn't have to trip over homeless people. Um, right. She's now become that person. She lives in Portland. We live in Portland, but she shops in the suburbs. Right. It's an interesting cultural shift back maybe perhaps to the suburbs again. I mean, there's this huge shift to the cities, and we see that um, by studies across the country, but it'll be uh, actually around the world, but it'll be interesting if the the cities reach their peak and then we end up going backwards. So anyway. So do we have anything else on our list? Um, I think we have most of it, and, and anything else is going to be a long topic. We'll save it for next time. Wow, so that's it. Time yeah. flies. Yes, it does, doesn't it? Wow, this was fun. <laughs> Using our new uh, program, I don't know how long we've been, but uh, it feels like it flew by. It always does. So we'll see you next week okay, next on week. Tuesday Memo All right. on Friday. <laughs>